This is Unfiltered, episode 49 for May 8th, 2013. As NRA members were meeting, gun control advocates were pointing to this newly released dash cam video from a March shootout. An Ohio man who failed to stop at an intersection repeatedly fired at cops using an AK-47 style assault rifle. But at the NRA convention in Houston, talk show host Glenn Beck insisted there can be no compromise on gun rights. Let us now start the conversation about responsibility. The freedom of all mankind, make no mistake, is at stake. On this week's episode of Unfiltered, kidnapping brothers in Cleveland, airstrikes in Syria, and a new number one killer in America. We'll break it down and pull out all of the information you need from this crazy week. Plus, new and aggressive lines in the battle for gun control have been drawn, and all sides of the debate claim the next battle will be bigger than ever. But we're just a little skeptical. Then it's your feedback, our follow-up, and much, much more on this week's episode of Unfiltered. Welcome to Unfilter, episode 49 of Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show that's distracting you from all of that TV you shouldn't be watching. My name is Chris, and joining me every single week is the always excellent Mr. Chase. Hey, Chris. Hey, everybody. You know, in one hand, I got my peace brick, (laughs) and in my other hand, I got my Unfilter bingo card. I'm ready to rock. Nice. Nice. I'm stoked out because, you know... If it wasn't for McDonald's... I was going to say, big week for McDonald's this week. Big week for McDonald's. <laughs> hey, bro. Been a big week. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> it has been one of these weeks where you didn't know where to go because there's so many different stories and threads to latch onto. In fact, a lot of them yeah. spilled over into the Unfiltered Supporter Show this week. But uh, the Cleveland kidnapping story, I had to put <sighs> it in this week. It's it's crazy. It's U.S.-centric. But when I dug into it, I, there was enough there I wanted to talk it's about. It's an incredible story all the way around. And, you know, at first, because on the internet, so the way it works is I record all of the feeds of the network that I can, and then I, but I don't listen to all of it all the time unless something's breaking, right? Right. Because yep. I tried that originally. That will drive you crazy. You will become a crazy person if you listen to that much news. It's, it gets in your head. So I'll like, I'll monitor the news online. And then whatever spikes, you know, my interest, then I'll deep dive into those clips to go get what I need to, you know, yeah, burr it yeah, out. Yeah, makes sense. And so at first I was totally tuning out this uh, Cleveland kidnapping story. I'm like, this is a distraction of the week. I'm not going to cover this. I'm not going to let them get me with you, this story. You, wait, when you first heard this, you thought it was a, a distraction? Well, so the way my, my mind can work sometimes is I go by the headline. Okay. And if I have to, because, you know, if I'm, if I'm in rapid decision mode and I'm 
putting the show together. I'm like, ah, this, I just, this does, this doesn't sound right. You know, it's not, it's not a story that changes the world. It doesn't change the global political landscape That's in some true, way. It doesn't, right? it's not going to change the nation forever. It's not affecting another country. So usually those are some of the criterias of stuff that if it doesn't reach some of those criteria, a lot of times it just doesn't make it into the show, period. Right, exactly. But then I, then actually, as I started, as I started seeing more and more about the story, it kind of piqued my interest a little bit. Well, it's one of those situations where, first off, you don't usually hear about kids being recovered from kidnapping cases, and when they do, well, yeah. it's yeah. you know it's it's incredible in its own right. Then this these girls were missing from the city, and they were they were found in the area, yeah. and two of them were actually helping to find the other, the first one, right? When they were abducted as well. I mean, it was it's it's, it's incredible to think about. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, so um, I was I was thinking, should we cover world events first and then get to that, or should we start with that? What do you actually think? since since that is uh, n- you know lo- n- local to us, I-, I would say you know you know United States. Let's, let's go around the world. We we'll go around the world let's for our world for world our world. audience abroad because we get we get a little heat every now yeah. and then. All right. Well, uh, last week we talked about Syria, and uh, it's a story we've been following since um, the beginning of this show, along with like some of the other threads that have been out there, and like Benghazi's been we've, another one that's come up a lot this week. Uh, but following uh, our our episode last week, uh, Israel launched an airstrike into Syria, and here is sort of a, a capturing from that moment. Some breaking news right now. So U.S. officials are telling CNN that the U.S. Chicken. believes Israel has conducted an airstrike into Syria. Western intelligence agencies are reviewing classified data, that. and they Syria. say they believe Israel conducted the strike today or late yesterday. Pentagon correspondent Barbara Starr is more on this breaking news. And Barbara, obviously uh, significant that Israel would have done this. Uh, absolutely, Aaron. Two U.S. officials confirming to me that U.S. and Western intelligence agencies are tonight reviewing classified data showing uh, indications that they believe Israel did conduct an airstrike into Syria. Uh, the other data point that they are looking at is the Lebanese are reporting in the last 24 hours 16 Israeli warplane flights over Lebanese airspace coming into Lebanon, violating their airspace, going towards that Syrian border. I eat too much chicken. So this, uh, this is, of course, now at this point, been confirmed, and yeah. uh, they're they're running strikes. Uh, the uh, Israel Defense Force also has launched their Iron Dorm, which is a we've actually talked about it before on the show. It's a short ter- it's a short range missile defense system that uh, they bought from the United States, I believe, and it's positioned on a hill near Zafat or Zafat. Am I saying that right, Chase? What do you think? Uh, Zafat. Uh, and uh, this was done on the 5th. It's the, the Basically, they've deployed these two batteries of the Iron Dome anti-rocket defense system to the northern Israel facing the area that is under tension with Syria, I guess. It's like a big video game, right, to, to shoot those down from the sky, basically? Um, you, so, you know, uh, this the, every time they mention these Iron Dome things, it always just sounds like a political like uh, a PR thing. That's why I, I don't really follow them too closely because, to me, they kind of they, they smack of BS a little bit. A like, little bit. What are yeah. these things really going to be able to do? I know they've done some demonstrations, but I just I think they're hokey. And remember we read that story about how, uh, like, they have operational issues, so they have to have uh, U.S. military people over there to uh, sort of consult with operating them because of the problems they have. So, right, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Well, what is kind of interesting from this is uh, sort of uh, there's a different uh, geopolitical response to this. Uh, and last week, one of the things we talked about that was kind of moving things up a next step was 
did they use chemical weapons? Remember this? Yes. And there was that kind of the rumor like, well, some people are thinking maybe it was the rebels yes, that used the no, weapons. We, we don't know who, right? Now, exactly. since that since that episode yep. has aired, we've gotten clarification. It was oh. actually uh, a representative from the UN that says that. Here's a clear, well, here it is in their own words. All right. Welcome to the program. The UN BBC. says there is evidence that chemical weapons have been used in Syria, but it suspects rebel forces are responsible, not the government. The UN's investigator, Carla Del Ponte, says interviews with victims and doctors in countries neighboring Syria suggest the use of the nerve gas sarin, which causes asphyxia. It's classified as a weapon of mass destruction, and it's banned under international law. Let's hear what Carla Del Ponte was saying. During our investigation... So this is the gal that went there to figure out if chemical weapons were used. She was the one that actually physically went there. So now we're going to get a long answer if it's yes or no. For crimes against humanity and war crimes, uh, we collect some witness testimony that... uh, that made to appear that uh, some uh, chemical weapons were used, in particular nerving gas. And what was, uh, what appeared on, um, um, to our investigation that uh, that was uh, used by the opponents, by the rebels. And we have no, no indication at all that the government, Syria, uh, the authority of the Syria government have used chemical weapons. Huh. Now, what's interesting is that soundbite's not getting played on U.S. media. That's funny. Why is that, I wonder Chris? why that might be. Now, hmm. what's also interesting is uh, John Kerry jumped on a plane and went over there to kiss Putin's boots <laughs> to see if uh, they'd help us get real tough on Assad. Overseas Syria tops the agenda in Moscow this morning. Secretary of State John Kerry arrived for talks with Russian President Vladimir Putin. Kerry wants Putin to take a harder line with Syrian President Bashar Assad. The meeting comes on the heels of two Israeli airstrikes in Syria, and there is another growing crisis for Syria's neighbors, those trying to escape the civil war. Clarissa Ward is in Amman, Jordan. Clarissa, good morning. Good morning, Nora and Charlie. Well, Jordan is one of several countries bordering Syria that is struggling to cope with the endless flood of refugees. The U.N. estimates that at the current rate, there will be 1.2 million Syrians living here in this small country of just 6 million by the end of the year. More than 80,000 people have been killed in Syria's conflict, which is now entering its third year. In the face of relentless bombardment from the regime's planes and tanks, some three million Syrians have been forced from their homes. Of those, more than half a million have fled to the sanctuary of Jordan. In the last month alone, 53,000 refugees. This is an interesting part of the story, right? How these rebels are fleeing to Jordan from Syria. And Jordan is a close military partner of ours. And we have uh, U.S. military over there. one part staging, two parts uh, showing their military how to go in and nab those chemical weapons should it come up. So it's also kind of interesting that you know, it's just something to think, consider in this. Yeah. Poured into this small country. Many of them come here to the Zatari camp, now the second largest refugee camp in the world. With 175,000 residents and counting, it is also now the fifth largest city in Jordan. Some Jordanian officials are concerned that the heavy influx of refugees could destabilize the country. And security forces here are preparing for the chaos that will almost certainly ensue if the Assad regime falls. Yikes. So I, I, I got a clip. It's it's brutal, but I just wanted you to hear Kerry over in Russia. Just oh, listen to man. this. Listen to this guy just 
I don't know, man. I, I don't. I, I, it's hard for me to listen. I mean, I, I bet he's a really good guy. Yeah. And, he's selling. He's, so he's uh, supposed to be over there kissing Putin's boots yeah. to get him to tow our line on Syria. We really believe, the United States believes, that we share some very significant common interests. Okay, significant common interests. We believe interests. that I think we believe that we can believe we that we, sh- we share, share these common interests. Well, okay, okay but they're significant. Right. Yeah. So if they're significant, I bet he's got some real strong examples. Okay. With respect to Number Syria, one. Uh, stability in the region, uh, not having extremists. Who's writing? <laughs> I know, right? Who's writing a novel over there? Extreme Stability in the region and not like having extremists. These are, okay, so far he's not winning me. Creating problems throughout the region. Why do I have creating a, problems? Why do I have a vision of him writing this? Like he's writing it. No, as he's, he's not. I know, no. I know he's not. It's like somebody was recording on their phone and they sat next to somebody taking notes. Yeah, but you know what it sounds like? It sounds like he's thinking and he's writing it and he's saying it at all at the same time. Like <laughs> an extremist, extreming. God, he, I know he talks Obama slow now, but he. He talks Obama slow. It sounds like he's talking as he's writing, even though that's not him writing. Right, it's not. That's what it sounds yeah. like. Can, go ahead. Swear. Uh, and I think we have both embraced in the Geneva uh, communique <laughs> a common approach. Uh, I mean, he's just... I mean, God, like, really? get to the point. He's supposed to be selling this. Now, here's what's crazy. What's always fun with the Unfiltered Show, and one of the things we like to do here is sometimes spin spin the globe and take a story that we're we're getting fed to us here in the U.S. and listen to it from a completely different perspective. Right. Because sometimes you hear a completely different story. Here's one of such case. Over on Al Jazeera, they covered Assad going to meet with the mucky mucks of Iran. So this is this is important because Assad doesn't have many political, uh, um, um, I guess, ally is the right word. Uh, so Iran's one of his few and supposedly helping him. So it's interesting that he travels there to meet with them and no one talks about it here, but I, th- what they're, what is said in this meeting, it, 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 it's the first time I'd heard some of this stuff. An important meeting with one of his few remaining foreign allies. The Syrian president met Iran's foreign minister in Damascus to discuss the situation in the region. The repercussions from Israel's recent airstrikes on Syrian territory were also on the agenda. The official message from Tehran was supportive. We discovered and realized that the situation in Syria is going well. Syria's courageous military has regained much of the territories, and Syria is now well, thank God. Syria is now well, thank God. It's going well, he says. Um, and it will fully regain its strength in the near future. On its way to fully regain its strength, according to this Iran minister. <laughs> An overnight communications blackout indicates the situation is far from normal. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Okay, so the internet went out for 19 hours. It's back online now. In the disputed Golan Heights between Syria and Israel, four Filipino UN peacekeepers were kidnapped by a rebel group calling itself the Yarmouk Martyrs Brigade. It's the second time in just two months that this group has taken UN Filipino hostages. Four peacekeepers from the UN Disengagement Observer Force were detained today. (laughs) Peacekeeper Disengagement Force, okay. (laughs) By an unidentified (laughs) armed group while they were patrolling in the area of separation close to position 86 near Al-Jamla. The Filipino government has strongly condemned the kidnapping and called for their citizens' immediate release. 
And for the first time in six months, the internet has been blacked out. Oh! This image on Twitter shows the digital traffic plummet as the connections were lost. Allahu that's the internet. And all the while, the civil war goes on. Oh, okay. This was Salma near Latakia on Tuesday. And this is the ancient city of Palmyra, that like Salma. which has stood for almost 2,000 years. Oh. So important culturally that it is a world heritage site. Oh. But now, it's just another target in Syria's civil war. Dominic Kane, Al Jazeera. It's interesting, though, to hear the uh, spin come from uh, the Iranian government after having a meeting with Assad. Oh, it's Syria's doing well. Every, everything's going great, Chris. Yeah, yeah. Nothing to see here. Definitely not what we're hearing <laughs> we're on this good. side of, we're of the good. pond. Uh, all right, Mr. Chase, let's hit pause right here before we get into some of the craziness from this week. Uh, and I want to thank our supporters. We have 76 as of this episode. Woo! I know, and check this out. So Joel S. came in from Australia. Which is awesome. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. And then we had two Texans come in. Uh, I want Ray's S. I think you think I'm saying that right? Reyes. Reyes. And uh, William P. Both Our, in Texas. Awesome. Which is really cool. So That's thanks awesome. to those That's guys. Great. Now, so the Unfiltered Show is listener supported. We do not have any sponsors. We will not be taking any sponsors. We have uh, links in the show notes where you can become an Unfiltered supporter. We're trying to reach 133. We now have 76. So we have reached the halfway mark. Yay! Dun, 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 dun. Ding, 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 ding. Look at us go. Yes. However, however, we're trying to reach 133 to finance one day of production. And then if we can get beyond that, then we actually start to make a profit. And that's where actually Chase and I take some money. Wouldn't that be cool? Well, we'll just get to 133 first and we could use your support. We're trying to do something new here where you take a show where there's absolutely zero commercial influence, no commercial bias at all, and we take sources of news from all over the world and we bring them together and we take the important stuff from the week and we Sorry. try to discuss it. And, and not kick uh, Chris's well, see, microphone if, when if I'm trying If we could get some to... more supporters, maybe we get new microphone stands. You actually booms? Yeah, maybe we could, You know, if we get to 133, we'll celebrate with getting booms. There you go. So uh, help us out if you would go to the show notes and you can become an Unfiltered supporter. When you do so, you get the Unfiltered newsletter where you'll get an email update from yep. me after every episode with a little more behind-the-scenes info with also links to the pre- and post-show, which always includes a ton of stuff. A lot of times includes links that supplement the content from this show, stuff that didn't quite fit. We have a couple of those in yeah, this Yeah, like uh, this week I, I, I uh, talked a little bit about uh, Peace Bricks. That's true. You did. That was a fun I, I did, story. I, I did uh, you know, tease that a little bit in, yep. the, pre, in the opening. So right. if you want to hear about it, you've got to become a supporter. So uh, head over to the show notes and uh, click the link there, if you will, and you'll get signed up. And remember, if you decide to use the Bitcoin option, just send me an email uh, with your Bitcoin payment address. That way I can add you to the unfiltered supporters list. And Chase, with that good news done, you know what that means? What's that mean? It's time for... Yeah! Ask the chat room, Chase! All right, Chase. Now, I want to ask the chat room one crazy question. This last weekend, there was one big association having their big show. Which Ooh. association was it? Ooh. I don't know. Now it was I, held. It was. It had a keynote speaker by a radio host. Yeah. Now at this convention, they this elected another a new president. Agency. It is. It's a three-letter association. Association. They elected a president, a new leader this weekend, and they are arming for the battle of their generation. All right. Are you ready, Chase? I, you I want think me to so? Oh, Go ahead and hit it. 
right, what do we got, Chase? We have a winner. It's Fifth Wall with NRA. That's right. Ding, 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 ding. You got it. Nice it is job, the man. NRA. So let's start off with the new president of the NRA. While the rest of the country continues the debate over responsible gun ownership in the wake of tragedies like Sandy Hook and the most recent incident of a five-year-old boy accidentally shooting and killing his two-year-old sister, oh, the National Rifle Association of America has elected a new leader. 64-year-old Alabama lawyer Jim Porter was picked by members to be the new president of the association over the weekend. Outgoing President David Keene described this gun lover as a perfect match for the job. Now, if there's one thing that we actually know about Mr. Porter, it is this. He dislikes President Obama almost as much as this man loves his guns. Here's part of a recent speech he delivered. I get so sick and tired of all these people with this fake president that we got who wants to say, well, you know, he he hadn't done anything bad for gun owners. I said, let me tell you something bad that he's done. His entire administration is anti-gun, anti-freedom, anti-Second Amendment. He's so upset that he sees his back's on fire. I think that's right? a delicious barbecue. He doesn't want to keep his opinions to himself, as you just saw. First of all, he refuses to call the Civil War anything other than the War of Northern Aggression. As you oh, just heard, he called President man. Obama a fake president. Oh, and no. he says the NRA was founded to teach civilians how to use military-style weapons in the Civil War. <sighs> Porter has been involved with the NRA for decades. His father was the NRA president from 1959 to 1960, and he is sure to be a force to be reckoned with as the gun debate heats up in the coming weeks and months in this country. Okay, so <sighs> All right. um, obviously we this, need to talk. this guy, could they could have picked from a lot of people, Chase, and they picked this guy. And you remember how a few weeks back when the gun debate was real hot, we were like, God, it almost seems like the NRA is trying to overall hurt gun owners in some respects like they almost do things that like like this whole like ad like who are they kidding they thought let's let's arm the teachers and arm arm the custodians was actually going to play well no but nobody thought that was going to play well and and you know remember how remember how the nra president was kind of like gruff and kind of angry about it and we're like they are kind of hurting their cause why are they and then and then they like intentionally misrepresented certain things and that's like wait a minute why are they doing that that because that's also hurting their cause and then they they elect this guy this guy who overall uh, doesn't seem to be helping their cause either Hey Chris, delegitimizing as you might say. Hey Chris, yes, Chase. Can can you throw some? Uh, I am the president of the Department of Bacon. Yeah, you want me to cook a can little? Uh... You, here's what I think. I think he's a plant from the Obama administration. <laughs> Are they serious? And the thing is, he needs to get up there and make the NRA sound super crazy nuts, like a not legitimate president. The yeah. The, the Civil War was the Northern aggression, which it implies that he's a part of the rebels All right. of the South. All right, let me uh, let me throw this at you. This might kind of backs you up. So uh, they had a keynote at the same convention where the election was done, and yeah. uh, it was held up by Glenn Beck. And uh, Glenn Beck made the case that uh, that uh, well, I'll let Glenn Beck Glenn Beck speak for oh, Glenn Beck. Please, not that one. This one. We get the latest now in the battle over gun rights and gun control. An overfull crowd at the NRA convention this weekend heard leaders Thank vow a much. generational fight for their rights as President Obama Thank and his you. team promised a new push on background checks. Thank you. ABC's John Carl is covering it all from Washington. Good morning, John. Good morning. Good morning, George. Well, with the NRA saying that they will stand and fight, the White House is promising a fight of its own. Vice President Biden writing in an op-ed that they will try once again to get that background check 
So Biden writes a op-ed in uh, the Houston Chronicle the weekend that the NRA is having their convention in Houston. So that was like, you know, yeah. clever. Come Legislation on. through the Senate. As NRA members were meeting, gun control advocates were pointing to this newly released dash cam video from a March shootout. An Ohio man who failed to stop at an intersection repeatedly fired at cops Damn. using an AK-47 style assault rifle. Style. At the NRA convention in Houston, talk show host Glenn Beck insisted like there can be no compromise on gun rights. Let us now start the conversation about responsibility. The you can hear he's fired up, right? He's, he's getting emotional. I, he doesn't sound fired up. Uh, he sounds sad. These well, because according to Beck, these were the most important moments of our time, perhaps in America's history. This weekend, I believe it is one of the most important moments in American history and the defining moment of the NRA. It is good and just that this convention happens here in Texas this year. And he goes on to make a connection with the Alamo. And then he, so he's kind of funny because he goes on to say, it's actually an interesting speech to watch. You can find uh, his keynote online. Uh, he goes on to say that uh, the, the, you know, uh, the Alamo was where the uh, phrase, the line in the sand must be drawn here, uh, came from. And uh, he really works to rally up the base. And he goes on and he attacks the media. He attacks uh, progressives. Uh, he goes on full frontal. The media would have you believe that we are just silly and greedy and misguided people that just think that their guns and their gun rights are more important than people's children. But what we actually believe is that these things are important because of our children. I like this. So he kind of does like this. They always are blaming the children for the reason Oh, and that is, you know, like he's kind of like in in in. I'm in waiting his, for video games to pop up here somewhere. In his speech, he's like, "Think of the children," and then he kind of, he kind of in his tone, you can tell he like is kind of judging them for propping up and using the children as a prop, and then he turns it and uses the children himself right oh. there. He kind of does a little children twist. They're clapping for that too. The real rub, the real rub of our disagreements is mosquito come the from the progressive elite believing that they can actually make choices for us that are better than the choices we ourselves would make. Choices on what we eat, what we drive, what we believe is moral and immoral, how to raise our children, even if or how we worship God. They think we're wrong. So here's what he's saying. He's building this sort of philosophical gap here that that they can rally behind and he's saying things like uh you know they're saying what we can and can't drive obviously alluding to gas emission standards or what we can and can't eat obviously alluding to the uh uh soft drink uh, beverage the size soda, limits yeah soda ban that happened in um, new york uh when that he says who, who who are we who we can't worship i have absolutely zero idea what he's referring to there because that if if anybody think uh, i don't even want to get down that but i hate it when white christian guys are up on stage complaining about how oppressed christians are 
I mean, I come from an entire family of Christians, and let me tell you, the last thing we ever were was oppressed as a religion. And I think they have no idea what the hell they're talking about. They should look at some of the other religions around the world that have actually faced actual oppression. It almost sounds like he wants to be the president of the NRA. I, I feel like it's a weird combo, right? Because you have obviously a hardliner NRA guy, and you've got Beck out here who's sort of building these huge gulfs between people. And what sucks, and the reason why this bothers me is because... This isn't how you actually move any kind of conversation forward. All no. you do is you're just building, you're just drawing these proverbial battle lines that and don't huge, really need to be well, drawn. Yeah, you're, you're pushing a huge wedge in between people. Right. And, and that's not how you're going to start the and conversation. It makes the it NRA seem more fringe. Right, it makes it seem like the members of the NRA and must crazy. be. Yeah, it makes them seem like they must be right wing extremists, and they don't have to be taken seriously, and their concerns shouldn't be as considered as much because they're a bunch of extremists. So I feel like it actually denigrates the cause because it delegitimizes well, their con- contribution to the national conversation. Do you think they even realize, though? I mean, is it so diluted that do you think they don't even know. realize what's going on well, here? Well, like, you always hear these stories of, like, how, like, Steve Jobs at Apple meetings would be, like, rallying up the troops, like, we're gonna crush Google, I hate Google, we're gonna destroy Android, right? And then their talk, stock price went up. And then, like, and then you... <laughs> then he and dies, then, but then and you, then it goes down. But then you read, like, in the book, like, he's having walks with the with the CEOs of Google, like, he call, they call him up and they talk on the phone all the time. They're, you know, they're actually cool with each other. And like, it's kind of like he's rallying the troops to motivate people to fight, like, you know, to c- convince them to code the, their, the, the, the S out of that. So, and, so what are you saying, Chris? Are you saying that the NRA behind the scenes is really buddy buddy with the Obama administration? N- I don't know. I don't think so. I think it really is going to be the most important fight of the NRA's history. But, and if it, I, but if it is, this is not the way you start the fight. This, you don't you don't do it by saying things like I don't know the what so called president. What I if mean, you why are, do you say things like what that? What if you are a wounded animal? And I mean, wounded in the terms of public perception after right, the shootings, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you feel like you have some cards to play, and they are your absolutely last moment cards. And by the way, if these cards win you the game, you potentially could break it open for a long, How long time. Does how does implying that the the president is not our president? How does implying that the the civil war didn't really happen the way it did start motivating and making things better for your organization? They're playing on a fear that has been a that has been a reoccurring meme or trend in our show. Listen to this clip and 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 I'll then I'll go in a little further. The founders also warned about a time when the government would take the guns. They called that a monopoly of violence because they knew that happens to governments and governments turn against their people because the people go to sleep. And if a government had a monopoly of violence, tyranny then would go undefeated. No one would be able to stop it. And if you think, oh, gee, there he goes again with these crazy ideas, ask the Japanese Americans about the internment camps of World War II done by the beloved progressive president, FDR, through executive order. He then actually went on to spend quite a bit of time, which I just didn't clip because of length, uh, drawing parallels to how... uh, some of the most egregious atrocities that we committed against the Native Americans uh, were also some of the most rewarded um, military battles. Like 20 medals were given out in one of these outrageous uh, um, you know, um, massacres and, 
and uh, the media covered it up. And he, what what Beck does is, so our history, America's history, is is so much richer and deeper and wider than what we learn in public school. It, what we learn in public school is a mythology. It is not actual history. And so Beck takes actual moments from history that are egregious and disgusting and are, are amazing examples of how awful our government has been and can be, and he uses those to build upon them as points. And he makes a very compelling point, and what he's doing is he's playing on this fear of the government, this this mass. I mean, that's why so, this show so, exists is so, because of the distrust of what the mainstream media and the government say. So what he builds he, on that. So is is what he trying to do here, and also the the new NRA president is to not only obviously defend the right to have a gun, but also to make the NRA more of an organization, not just about gun rights, but about being against the government as far as the the tyranny. And all those points that Glenn Beck just mentioned. Yeah, I think so. I think it's. I think they're saying it's a new type of fight, and and I think he's trying to imply, and they're, and they're trying to build like this greater. There's greater stakes. That in fact, Beck goes as far as to say it's not just uh, our gun rights; it's the freedom of the entire world. It is right. not our cold, dead hands that will win this. But as always, when it comes to American victories, it will be our. Our strong backs, our strong will, the ability to adapt and learn. It will be our warm hearts filled with love and charity for all men that will compel us to defend all men's right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Churchill said, we shall not falter, we shall not fail. I'll tell you that if America fails or falters, the entire world will fall into darkness. So I will add, we cannot falter, we cannot fail. We will not be the generation that historians look back to and say, what happened to these people? We will not be the generation that loses mankind's freedom. Instead, let us declare to one another that we instead will be the generation that historians look back to with awe and wonder and say, how did they do it? They look back for inspiration, that even in our darkest times, with the greatest reason for doubt and fear, we rose above it. We pushed the darkness back. We held the torch of liberty. We held it high for all men to see. All right, Chase, I have a Red Book prediction for you. So so you hear the stakes he's building here, right? This is big. This is huge. And I think we have two new approaches that are emerging in the gun debate. This is the NRA's approach. And they're trying to – okay, so when you think of a podcast audience, one of the great things about a podcast audience is it's not as large as the radio, but they're more, quote-unquote, what marketers call engaged. A call to action in an ad will return and yield higher results in a podcast on average than it does on a radio or TV spot. And that's one of the reasons why podcast advertising is working. I think the NRA is going for a similar approach in their audience reach. They're narrowing in on a niche audience that is more likely to respond politically to them and get them to act, to call their members of Congress, to go vote, to fundraise for the right people they need. They kind of have them, you know, uh, they can kind of circle in on them and get them to act. One thing just went off of my head. 
maybe Glenn Beck is pulling a card from the Obama camp as far as charging and energizing your base. Yeah, I mean, Glenn Beck sees this. Glenn Beck, I think, was very smart and recognized while uh, while uh, Ron Paul didn't win the election, he saw there was a lot there to capitalize on. He's trying to move himself more and more into a libertarian-type role. And, you know, he did very well here on this stage. I think this is going to buy him uh, a lot more credibility in these types of circles. I mean, not that he doesn't really have it, but I think, I mean, I th- he did, I, he really, it was, I mean, it was an hour and 15, 20 or, or longer thing. Yeah. And you heard his energies that level through that whole thing was quite good. Very emotional. And he was not yeah. really, I mean, he had some notes, but it was pretty much, you know, all off the top of his head. I was actually, you know, from a from a presenter's perspective, I was impressed with it. Now, on the flip side, you have the, not, you have the new, this is their Obama approach. And the Obama approach is, is this very slow, glacier-calculated approach where they line in all of the troops at the base level very slowly and they build and build and build. And they're using the Obama campaign machine to do this. And they've got Biden, who's been writing these ops, and, he, and he's kind of been implying that they're essentially regrouping right now. And with a coordinated effort with the mainstream media, they've begun to do what what people are calling this shame campaign on the senators who voted against the universal backgrounds oh, check. Yeah, I remember so they're this. sort of doing this yeah. multifaceted pressure. Here's a little clip of the quote-unquote shaming that's going on in the media. So, Reverend Al Sharpton, how do I say this as we look at these names and faces? Is Washington really filled with so many cowards, so many <laughs> selfish, short-sighted, politicians who really don't care about leading and only care about winning. How's that? I think that's uh, probably about uh, hitting it on the head. They we are much. political cowards. You're talking about people that in the face of Newtown, in the face of over 500 deaths of gun violence in Chicago, said, let's do nothing. And while they're doing this, and this is about a 15-minute piece where they're going on like this, they are not showing the anchors' faces they are rolling pictures of, of the senators who voted, and then yeah, they put a the stamp senators. up there and said, voted against background, chunk. And then they put the next picture up, voted against background, stamp. And so it's a shaming process. So they have this going on at the same time that the Obama administration is working on a whole other angle. And what you're going to find, and this is the Red Book prediction I want you to write I'm, down. I'm ready for it, Chris. Immigration's first. Right. They're gonna the Obama administration and and all of their all of the people. There is now an anti gun lobby that is very well organized, and I think I think is going to win because I think this fear based approach the NRA is is taking overall won't win out because the media is just going to chew it up. It's not it's not going to hold up under the twenty four seven media scrutiny, and they're going to do this common sense reform, common sense changes. They're going to drill that in. So. Early 2014, this is for the Red Book, early okay. 2014, okay. that's when we have a new universal background check thing passed. However, it will not be called universal background checks. I think they've all politically agreed that term is tainted. It's going to be called common sense background checks, or it's just going to be called extended backgrounds checks. Maybe they'll say, maybe they'll re-spin it and say, we've taken the existing ex- background checks and just extended it. It's not, it's not new law. We're extending existing law, and that will be the new spin on it. That's my take. You know what pisses me off? You know what? Early 2014. You know what? You know what? Hmm. You know what? Oh, oh, what? You know what really grinds my gears? All this stupid talk, yeah. and I know, it, I know it's not stupid, but when you have the Reverend Al Sharpton gets on television, talks about the 500 gun deaths that happened in Chicago over, I don't know what time period, because he didn't explain. Right, right. How many people die from drunk driving? 
Yeah. How many? How many from prescription drugs? We have a story on that. From prescription drugs. Yeah. How many families uh, are ruined because one politician or one person has been behind the wheel the fourth time, the fifth time, the sixth time? And they're all misdemeanors because there's this whole complex around re-education and breathalyzers and blah, 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 when there could be a much bigger impact in that arena than in this mm. stupid media-biased crap. You know what? That That's just – I. you know what? That's just, And that, people, is what grinds my gears. Tom? Yeah. Well, and speaking, uh, Reverend, right when I cut him off, actually uh, was about to go into talking about gun deaths in Chicago. And this always really makes me crazy because uh, – they don't ever release how many stats of those were stolen and how many of those were actually handguns. But overall, guess what, Chase? Uh. John Dodson, a federal agent, says what he was asked to do was... Oh, wait, not that one. Not that one. Not yet. Well, no, let's play this first. In light of the post-Newtown gun debate in this country, some new stats from the Justice Department show that on the whole, gun-related crime is actually much lower than it was two decades ago. Gun murders dropped a full 39% between 93 and 2011. Other gun crimes fell even more sharply, down 70%. But 70% of all murders are still committed with guns, most of them handguns. So we have historically low levels of violence overall. We have historically low levels of gun violence since 93, which was the peak. Um, but, you know, we're going to continue to push on. Meanwhile, the actual true perpetrator of gun violence is the United States government. John Dodson, a federal agent, says what he was asked to do was beyond belief. You were intentionally letting guns go to Mexico. Yes, ma'am. I mean, the agency was. An alcohol, tobacco, and firearms senior agent assigned to this Phoenix office since 2010, Dotson's job is to stop gun trafficking across the border. So here we go. We got an ATF guy, and uh, he is coming out. He quit, and uh, he's been um, suffering from the guilt of this, and he's now a whistleblower. Instead, he says he was ordered to sit by and watch it happen. Investigators call the tactic letting guns walk, in this case, into the hands of criminals who would use them in Mexico and the U.S. Dodson's bosses say that never happened. Now he's risking his job to go public. I'm boots on the ground here in Phoenix and telling you we've been doing it every day since I've been here. Here I am. Tell me I didn't do the things that I did. Tell me you didn't order me to do the things that I did. Tell me it didn't happen. Now you have a name on it and you have a face to put with it. Here I am, someone, now. Tell me it didn't happen. Agent Dodson and other insiders say the gun walking strategy was approved all the way to the Justice Department. The idea was to see where the guns ended up, build a big case, and take down a major cartel. Mm -hmm. And it was all kept secret from Mexico. That sounds like a great idea. What could go wrong? Yeah. ATF named the case Fast and Furious. This surveillance video obtained by CBS News shows suspected drug cartel suppliers carrying boxes of weapons to their cars at a Phoenix gun shop. Those long boxes being loaded into the red car are AK-47 type assault rifles. They're watching, they're just watching these guys load this stuff up. They're just watch, sitting there watching them. He's on again, carrying another, appears to be five boxes of hard case Pelican that would hurt a pistol. So it turns out ATF not only allowed the guns to walk, they videotaped it. 
Documents show the inevitable result. The guns ATF let go began showing up at crime scenes in Mexico. And as ATF stood by, watching thousands of weapons hit the street, the Fast and Furious group supervisor noted the escalating Mexican violence. 958 killed in March 2010, the most violent month since 2005. The same email notes... Our subjects purchased 359 firearms during March alone, including numerous Barrett 50 caliber rifles. Did you feel that ATF was partly perhaps to blame for the escalating violence in Mexico and on the border? Yes, ma'am. I even asked them if they could see the correlation between the two. The more that our guys buy, the more violence that we're having down there. Senior agents, including Dodson, told us they confronted their supervisors over and over. But who cares? They're oh, just people. And what was the answer? What did they say? If you're going to make an omelet, you got to scramble some eggs. You just, you know, I mean, gosh. So, you know, a thousand people end up dead. There was so much opposition to the gun walking that an ATF supervisor issued this email noting a schism among the agents. Whether you care or not, people of rank and authority at headquarters are paying close attention to this case. We are doing what they envisioned. If you don't think this is fun, you're in the wrong line of work. Wow. <laughs> fun. Jeez. Oh, Maybe the Maricopa County Jail is hiring detention officers and you can get $30,000 to serve lunch to inmates. Winner. We, we, we just knew it wasn't going to end well. There's no way it could. Then, on December 14, 2010, Border Patrol agent Brian Terry was gunned down. Dodson got the bad news from a colleague. And they said, did you hear about the Border Patrol agent? And I said, yeah. And they said, well, you know, it was one of Fast and Furious guns. And there's really not much you can say after that. Two assault rifles ATF had let walk nearly a year before, similar to these, were found at Terry's murder. I felt guilty. I mean, it's crushing. Wow. Yeah, I, I don't know how to explain it. I mean... Dodson and a dozen other ATF sources have all told the same story to Senator Grassley, who's investigating. You've tried to get some answers from ATF. What's been the response? The response has been practically zilch from the standpoint that documents we want, we have not gotten them. Uh, and uh, I think it's a case of stonewalling. Dodson says he hopes that speaking out helps the family of Border Patrol agent Brian Terry. They haven't been told much of anything about his murder or where the bullet came from. First of all, I would tell him that I'm sorry. Second of all, I would tell them that I've, <clears throat> I've done everything that I can for them to get the truth. After this, I don't know what else I can do, but I hope they get it. Dodson says they never did take down a drug cartel. However, he says thousands of fast and furious weapons are still out there never made and a will bust. be claiming victims on both sides of the border for years to come. Cheryl Atkinson, CBS News, Washington. Isn't that awful? I, uh, and, I, I and just don't understand the the logic. Be, I still don't understand the logic behind there, that program. There was never any. How could there have been? There's 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 just no justification. And to think just, to think that the people who are making decisions could have possibly thought that was justified is ridiculous. What and, pisses me off, and don't play the sound bumper, but what grinds myself <laughs> over this is the fact that not more people are pissed off about this. Right. 
Right. I don't understand. Right. I mean, anybody right. in a logical sense, it doesn't right. matter if you're left and or right, crazy you is, should be able to see this. What's crazy is Obama was just down there this last week, you know, meeting with the uh, Mexican president, and they were talking about, you know, the drug war and uh, trade and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's, you got to just think those, those guys, I mean, I hope off mic, they go, what the hell were you thinking? What the hell were you guys thinking? You know, I hope that, I hope they have that conversation. And uh, you would hope, but you would think you that you would hope, and you're a good person, Chris. You would hope in your heart that they would be having that conversation and not being elitist about it, and like <laughs> right. you know, and have yeah. one of those stupid conversations. Like who even cares about the people? Huh? I mean, and I mean, I commend you for being optimistic. I hope, right? But I, but I think uh, the realism here, Chris, is they probably don't even care. They don't give a they don't give a rip, and that's and that's the Disgusting. inherent problem and issue that we're having here. And you know, I mean, it's 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 just an interesting aspect of this entire gun discussion, and how we can tell we're not actually having the legitimate conversation in the public space. Where I mean, you got well, back up there well, talking the, well, about the problem. The, the problem is there's so much being controlled and leaked out by the White House into the media, yeah, and, and obviously yeah. there's all these agendas in, involved, right? And that's where you have independent internet media yeah. and a show like this one that actually, uh, I don't know, talks about it. Hello. But you think, you know, do you think it can, is it enough to actually affect any kind of national level change? It's, it's, it's like, it's like this, Chris, the, 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 the supporter, uh, the supporters, you know, the, the Jupiter, not Jupiter, but I'm sorry, the unfiltered supporters, you yeah, know, the, yeah. how many was 77 were we at? 76. 76. Mm-hmm. That started off at zero, right? And like a uh, like an avalanche, like a little snowball that you would see in our cartoon, a small snowball, a small snowball eventually gets really big. Now it's and then it goes across the highway and takes out cars. Wow! What I'm trying to say here is, even though we're going at a snail's pace, yeah. literally in yeah. the in the big scope of news and world events, there's definitely more people that are having this conversation now than there were five years ago. And more than we that we're having it forty nine episodes ago. It does right, right, yeah, yeah. It does grow exponentially too. You know, people talk about it. You know, we've heard we get emails from people say that they listen to the show and then they talk to their friends and family about what was discussed. And yeah. you know, it does trigger dialogue. I guess that's a good thing. The, the the key thing is 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 remaining to be engaged, and or if you're not engaged, becoming engaged. Mm. And you don't staying have, informed and, and staying informed and, and keeping yourself open and not you know, just taking the news and taking what Aaron Burnett says and just saying, yes, Aaron, I believe you. That does make sense, too, because that would be the way to combat like any kind of like. So the NRA is going extreme and obviously uh, the people on the other side of the gun debate are playing to their extremes. And when you're not informed, it's easy to get wrapped up in their rhetoric because it's if. For one, like in Beck's case, he touches on legitimate historical facts and then wraps them in emotional rhetoric that triggers and resonates with you. And uh, the left does it, you know, in the same way with, you know, having the victims speak out and all this. And it's one of these things where when you have the informed position, you can look back at both of them and go, well, neither one of you will be genuine. And why people have the opportunity and chance, you know, while the Internet is still free and unrestricted. And I I don't even want to put this in the red book. No, man. But... Right now, you have that ability. You have that freedom, hopefully, wherever you're listening, mm-hmm. to go onto the internet, type it into Google, Bing, whatever you use. If they shut that down, you want to become a ham op? We'll just do ham op or Totally, radio. man. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Okay. All right, cool. Uh, whiskey, six, whatever. But what, I, what I'm trying to say is go and do your own fact-checking, okay? 
you listen to our show and you know you, you love what we dish out and that's why you're listening and supporting us. But you know what? Go ahead and test us. Go ahead and and find your own opinions. And don't just go to one website. Go to three. You know, open your minds, broaden yourself. It's very important. Beautiful chase. Thanks, man. It's beautiful. Okay, I want to talk. So that's gunfight 2.0. It's coming down the road, and it's they're they're building their armaments now. I want to talk about these Cleveland brothers. This story. Oh man, isn't this something? Incredible uh, story. So this this first clip, if you if you're not totally up to speed on it, is probably a pretty good one. A lot of details in here. Uh, I believe it aired today. For strangers yes. ripped away from their families, but for nearly a decade they lived together, united in fear. In 2002, Michelle Knight is the first to disappear. She is 21. How she was kidnapped is still unclear, according to various local media reports. Her mother says Michelle loved animals and wanted to be a veterinarian. Then suddenly, she was gone. In April 2003, Amanda Berry vanishes after her evening shift at Burger King. It's the eve of her 17th birthday. Later that month, her family receives a phone call from Amanda's cell phone. A man says he's taken her and she'll be home in a few days. Isn't that weird? In March 2004, the body of a teenage girl similar to Amanda's description is found near San Diego, California. Could be some murder Dental going on. records don't match. Later that year, during an appearance on the Montel Williams show, oh, a television psychic makes a grave prediction to Amanda's mother. So you don't think I'll ever see her again? Yeah, in heaven, on the other side. On the other side. Yeah, so the psychic says the daughter's dead. F her. I know, right? F her. That's, Sylvia Brown, F you. Sylvia Brown, man. That track record's starting to fall apart, man. But you know what? That's the one thing about psychics, right? You know, they they, they, uh, they hedge their bets. Right, right. And they, they go for the easy kills. Right. And, you know, she probably justifies it, Miss Brown. She probably justifies it for herself saying, well, then she's able to have some peace and closure and move on. That's right. So, you know, so I'm, it's I'm okay helping, if I lie to her. I'm just helping her bring closure right. as I take a drink. Meanwhile, yet another neighborhood girl goes missing, plucked off the same street as Amanda and Michelle. Gina DeJesus disappears while walking home from Wilbur Wright Middle School in April 2004. She is 14, a seventh grader in special education classes. That same month, Gina and Amanda's stories are featured on America's Most Wanted. Two attractive teenage girls. They disappear in similar circumstances along the same busy avenue. What does it mean? In March 2006, Amanda's mother dies of heart failure. Relatives say she died of a broken heart. A couple of years later, hunters find a body in a Wisconsin creek matching Amanda's description. It's another false lead. But two bodies. And just last year, an inmate at Lucasville Prison claims Amanda is buried in a field. Police find no evidence of the missing teen. I guess the suspect stopped by that field while they were digging and asked what they were doing, and they told him, and they said, ah, you're wasting your time. With all three girls still missing, police get a hot tip on Gina DeJesus in September 2006. 2006. They dig up a Cleveland garage floor, another dead end. In 2008, authorities released this age progression photo of Gina. A year later, in 2009, two of the girls' families spotlight their cases on Oprah. What's been the hardest for me is that Amanda's just been gone for too long and I want her home. But I fight. I'm never going to give up. Amanda Berry certainly didn't give up. 
Monday night, just before 6 p.m., a daring escape. Neighbor Charles Ramsey says he sees Amanda struggling to break free. Her screaming. I meet my McDonald's. I uh, come outside. I see this girl going nuts trying to get out of the house. So I go on the porch. I go on the porch and she says, help me get out. I've been, I'm, I've been in here a long time. Ramsey quickly gets her to a phone. So uh, here, have you heard the full Ramsey uh, uh, 911 call? I have, uh, but maybe some people in our audience haven't, and this is, here this it is. Watch out for the curse words. More on the man who helped rescue the three women. You just saw him, Charles Ramsey. Oh, wait, sorry. That's, we'll play that in a second. Cleveland 911, police, ambulance to fire. Yeah, hey, bro, I'm at 2207 Seymour, hey, West 25th. Ah. Hey, check this out. I just came from McDonald's, right? So I'm on my board eating my little food, right? This broad is trying to break out the fucking house next door to me. So there's a bunch of people on the street right now and shit. So we like, well, what's wrong with you? What's the problem? She like, this motherfucker been kidnapped me and my daughter, and we've been in this bitch. She said her name is Linda Berry or some shit. I don't know who the fuck that is. I just moved over here, bro. Uh, sir, 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 you know what sir, I mean? sir, you have to calm down and slow down. Is she still in the street? Uh, uh, Seymour Avenue. And right? this, is she still in the street or where did she go? Yeah, I'm looking at her. She right now. She calling y'all. She on another phone. Is she black, white, or Hispanic? Uh, she, she white, but the baby look Hispanic. Okay, what is she wearing? Uh, white tank top, light blue, uh, sweatpants. Uh, like, like, like a white beater. Do you know the address next door that she said she was in? Yeah, 2207. I'm looking at it. Okay, I thought that was your address. So that, that house... No, no, I'm smarter than that, bro. I'm telling you what a crime okay, was. Okay, look, house. sir, we can't <laughs> talk at the same time. Do you want to leave your name and number? Or your name Charles and number? Ramsey, R-A-M-S-E-Y. Okay. Are the people she said that did this, do you know if they're still in the house? I don't have a fucking clue, bro. I just said I came McDonald's. Can you, can you ask her if she needs an ambulance? You need an ambulance? Or what? She needs everything. She's a, she in a uh, panic, bro. I guess she's been kidnapped. So, you know, put yourself in her shoes. I, we'll send the police out. Thank you. There you go. So, uh, pretty amazing to hear that. Uh, sorry about the cursing if uh, you had, if you were listening at work. You know, I guess the cops had been out there like three times before, including a neighbor called well, they in. Never, they never went in. They, and actually, there was one time they never showed up either. Yeah, they yeah. never They never showed up. A neighbor was talking about how they spotted a naked girl in the backyard. I heard also they spotted three girls wearing dog collars. Oh my crawling God. in the backyard. Yeah. This yeah. first first off, it, this is an amazing story. And I know I think we were talking about this in the supporter show how you originally thought that this was a distraction. Yeah, I just cuz a lot of these stories, you know, a kidnapping, something like that, they're not really like they don't make a big change in the yeah. big 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 picture of things. Do you just imagine for a moment and you can't even try to, but just imagine you're in her shoes. And her mom's on Oprah um, and, you know, going around the circuits and stuff. And you see this and you know you're kidnapped. You can't get out. You can't escape. Yeah. And yeah. It's, that was it's, really it's crazy. In a her, real surreal situation. In her 911 call, she says, I've been on the u- news for the last 10 years. So she has seen herself on the news. Oh, my God. Yeah, that would be pretty That's a hard. mind job and a half. Yeah. Well, and she's had his kids too. Yeah, and, and there's, against her will. Yeah, yeah, and there's. Well, I think we're going to find out a lot more about that because this is now story's new one, at this one, point. One of the developments. I, I know we don't have a story on this. So the the older brother, um, 
is uh, that he was charged today. Oh, he was. I thought I thought they were saying they didn't have anything to charge. Them no, with. no, no. The, just just the one. Just the uh, what's his name? Three the, girls and three brothers. Come on, man. So you the, do the math. I know, but the, the but the the brother, the, the oldest brother, or the the one in charge or whatever, uh, was charged with four counts of kidnapping and and three counts of sexual assault. Uh, first degree felonies on all counts. Wow. But this is the this is the odd thing about it. Mm. The other two brothers, uh, the police said. We're not charging them. Yeah. And I can't believe that they would just come out and say we're not charging them. Maybe like right now we don't have anything to charge them with would probably be the proper way of saying it. But they just they just came out and said we're, we're not charging them. Wow. So right now all they have obviously to go on is the the, the three girls testimony. But yeah. but what this is just I can't even fathom this. I it's, know. it's incredible. Uh, and I've, I've, I've been, I've been sort of blown away by Charles Ramsey and all this. He's kind of blown up online too. Here's an interview he did. It gives a little more background. I just, I just, I don't know. I more on the man who helped rescue the three women. You just saw him, Charles Ramsey. Remember that name. Here's his account in his own words. Heard screaming. I meet my McDonald's. I uh, come outside. I see this girl going nuts, trying to get out of her house. I go on the porch, and she says, "Help me get out." I've been I'm, I've been in here a long time. So we kick kick the bottom, and she comes out with the little girl, and she says, "Call 911." My name was Amanda Berry. That girl Amanda told the police. I ain't just the only ones. It's some more girls up in that house. They look like they have been okay, I'm talking. have been fed in a long time, bro. And you had no indication that there was not anything. Hey, bro, not a clue that that girl w- was in that house or anybody else was in there against their will. Because how he is is I just, he just comes out to his backyard, plays with the dogs, tinker with his cars and motorcycles. Yeah. Nothing exciting about him. Well. Until the day. <laughs> what, was, what was the reaction on the girls' faces? I can't imagine to see the sunlight to be Bro, around. People. I knew something was wrong when a little pretty white girl ran into a black man's arms. Uh. Something is wrong here. That's ABC set. From Mr. <laughs> that was the ABC News crew that was laughing at the end of that clip. Uh, and then, of course, uh, I'll just play a little bit of CNN had some fun. He calls everybody bro from reporters interviewing him. Bro, not a clue. To the 911 dispatcher. Yeah, hey, bro. And now everybody wants to be his bro. This guy is ten types of awesome. Awesome if his story about helping with a rescue holds up. I see this girl going nuts. Awesome for how he described the suspect. I barbecue with, with this dude. We eat ribs and, and whatnot and listen to salsa music. You see what I'm coming from? His quotes, like the one about the suspect's testicular fortitude, have been immortalized on the web. And the ultimate internet accolade, his interviews have been auto-tuned. Something is wrong here. Even when he was about <laughs> to swear, then substituted the word stuff for the S word. No, because I'd have pulled this heroic... Stuff last Thank year. You. He got a pat on the back. Thank you for restraining yourself. Charles Chuck Ramsey is a dishwasher at a Cleveland restaurant. His newfound fans want to give him money. They've raised over five hundred dollars with a goal of ten thousand. Other admirers started a petition to get Charles invited to the White House for a beer with the president. But there was one Charles Ramsey line in particular that brought down the house. Whether the house was the floor crew of a morning news show. I knew something was wrong when a little pretty white girl ran into a black man's arms. Something is wrong here. Why? 
Hearing it straight from Mr. Ramsey. Or the studio audience of The View. When a little pretty white girl ran into a black man's arms, something's wrong here. Why is that funny? Comedian Patton Oswalt tweeted, Dear Charles Ramsey, I am not a little pretty white girl, but I totally want to run into your black arms. Hashtag hero. Some are even saying McDonald's should treat Charles to some free <laughs> Mickey D's because of all the publicity he's given the chain. What did McDonald's? Came home, heard screaming. I meet my McDonald's. Next thing you know, <laughs> McDonald's is saluting the courage of the kidnap victims, tweeting, Way to go, Charles Ramsey. We'll be in touch. Who doesn't want a touch of Chuck? At least until a second rescuer claimed Chuck isn't on the up and up with his version. Me break the door. No, hey. I knew Me break the door. A little pretty white girl ran into a black man's arms. Genimo, CNN. Oh, CNN. Maybe it's me, Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I don't find that last line funny. A lot of people did. Maybe you got to be a black man to appreciate it, Chase. But maybe I'm the one that I, I, I don't look at people with their, their color. I mean, like, well, if I, I was- speak if, for Mr. Ramsey, Chase. If, if I was in that situation, I'd be running to anybody. I don't care who. I think that was his point. Yeah, but, but the thing is, it's like, so what? If she wasn't in that situation, she wouldn't be running to a black guy? I think that was his point, yeah. Why? Maybe because she, she's white. Maybe she's a racist. Oh God! <laughs> this uh, is what happens when you do this show because your your mind starts. It's like, oh, come what does he on. mean by that? What does he mean by that? What does he mean by that? What's uh, his alternative motive here? Come on. So I don't think we'll probably be following the story too much, but I just I was interesting enough to cover it this week. It, it, it there's there's so much awful about that story, and uh, Charles Ramsey, I think, gives us the opportunity to still process the story, but yeah. look at it from a humor standpoint. I think that's why he's doing well. Um, yeah. You want a bit of a downer before we get out of here? Sure, one more. Uh, I got a, I got a new killer for you, and guess what? What? It's pills. Ah, pills. You know, Betty, the numbers are pretty shocking. Prescription painkillers ah. are now the leading cause of accidental death in the United States. That means Whoa. more Americans are dying from overuse, uh, overdosing on painkillers than they are from car accidents. Wow. Now, according to the CDC, about 15,000 Americans die each each year from painkiller abuse, and get this, one in 20 people over the age of 12 reported having used prescription painkillers for non-medical purposes in the past year. That's staggering for recreational use. Of course, this comes with a cost. It's estimated to cost health insurers more than $70 billion annually. Now, Hey, Chase, could you Google something for me? Yeah, go for it, buddy. Yeah, yeah. How, let's see, let's just try this really quick. Yeah. How many deaths... A year from cannabis abuse. All right, let's just uh, see. Uh, According to the Daily Mail, uh, cannabis kills 30,000 a year. And here's how. Okay. More than 30,000 cannabis smokers could die every year, doctors say. Medical experts blame the Home Secretary for creating confusion about risks proposed by the drug. No, no. See, see, I have even a better one. Okay, what do you have? This came from Wiki Answers. Yeah, yeah. Statistically, death directly from marijuana overdose is extremely rare. The CDC reports that between 1999 and 2007, there were 26 deaths with marijuana as an underlying cause. 26 in the, in the United States, oh. out of a counted population of two billion six hundred and fifteen million yeah. five hundred twenty-three thousand nine hundred and five. Oh, well, see, yeah, yeah, that Daily Mail one was actually this because they also were cigarette smokers. Turns out, uh, anyways. Uh, but don't worry, uh, the they got a solution to fix all this up. This sharp uptick in abuse coincides with a surge in sales and prescriptions 
four times as many prescription painkillers were sold last year as they were in just 1999, and mirroring that, three times as many people died from these pills. Wow, okay, so this is certainly a growing problem. Then It's a trend that just oh, is on the up and up. It just doesn't uh-huh. stop, Chris. But what can they do? How do these, how do these safer pills work? How do they work exactly? Well, right now what we're seeing is actually the FDA support safer pills through legislation. So what happened last month was that the FDA actually moved to take the generic form of OxyContin off the market because Purdue, the company that manufactures OxyContin, came out with a safer drug that's harder to use. Now, we have some incredible pictures of how this actually breaks down. So they're working on these harder to break down pills. And here's the beauty of it. They're much, 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 much more expensive to make. And if they can come up with them, they have a they have a reason to have generics taken off the market because the generics can't make these safer pills. Oh. And the, the idea of these pills is they're harder to break down to then like melt or sniff yeah. or whatever. Right. Typically, the way abusers use it is that they're trying to crush the pill into powder so you can either you know snort or smoke or try and chew or inject this stuff. But look at that on the screen. It's harder to actually break down the new mm. pill. It goops. Basically, goops instead of breaking down into a dust. It's fracture into shards. It's also harder to heat them up and to inject them. They actually break down into gel. So it's much harder. And many companies are working on this technology. You know, big companies like Johnson Johnson and Pfizer, but also many smaller startups. For example, I spoke to the CEO of Egalat, a smaller biotech company. He told me he's got a pill that's so hard to break, it won't even crack in a blender. Spoke to another CEO of... But it's okay in your stomach? Sounds like a great idea, oh, right? Boy. Nothing wrong with that. Hemp Farm. He's got a pill. This is interesting. It won't break down. It won't release the payload until it hits the actual lining of your stomach because the enzyme, the catalyst to release the payload, can only be found inside your intestine. Now, of course, in large part, this is about safety, but it is also a great opportunity for branded drugs who would otherwise see their sales cannibalized from generics. So there you go. We're not going to actually solve the problem at all. We're not even going to have a serious discussion about what we might do to solve the problem. We're just going to make the drugs harder to make into other yeah, drugs. Yeah, that's that's a great resolution, and I, I want to put steel in my stomach. That you know, makes me feel much more comfortable. You know, here's, let's be honest. People are not, I mean, in the vast majority of abuse, how much do you want to bet? It's not people smashing up their pills and then burning them into a spoon and then putting them into a syringe and injecting it. How much do you want to bet it's... Hey, I'm going to have a few glasses of wine. I'm going to pop these painkillers and I'm going to get three times as drunk as I normally would. Yep. And then I don't get hungover. I don't spend as much money on wine and I don't Chris, drink Chris, as many you, calories. You, you sound like this is from experience. I've I have never done it, but I have been with <laughs> I have been in several social situations where friends have broken out like painkillers wow. and like no they're like this is how I save money, man. I just pop one of these and I'm good with one or two drinks in me for the whole night. And that's how they justify it to themselves. I'm heading to Costco. I know, right? Well, these are and, prescription. But don't forget, I mean, I'm going to go to McDonald's first. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, and that, whenever you kind of start mixing pills and booze like that, I mean, you always hear about side yeah. effects. Yep. So I bet that's where the majority of these ER visits and deaths are coming from is that type of use. But I, I might but be wrong. But, but another thing to hit on is when you got big pharma trying to re-engineer their stuff and take out the generic equivalent, that gives them what, another 20 years or 10, how long is the ex- Oh, yeah, yeah, right. I don't know. But yeah, I know what you mean. It there resets is, the clock. Yeah, right. Right. So this is another. This is not just about that. This is also about making money. Come on, yeah. Think, think about that too. Oh, for sure. It's yeah. a, it's a win win, yeah. and uh, um, it's awful because meanwhile, uh, you know, cannabis killing thirty people every year. Thirty. Watch out. No, no, not every year. That was since the that that 
year period. That was oh, the, oh right, yeah. <laughs> that was like for, yeah for the whole range there. Yeah, yeah. All right, Chase. We have a few points of feedback to get to before we get out of here. Yes, we do. You want to read a couple? So this one uh, came in directly uh, from our unfiltered subreddit. Oh, which nice. Is at unfiltered.reddit.com. This was submitted by Tex Head Admin. Why the DHS one billion rounds of ammo story is a load of crap. crap. I just finished this week's Unfiltered, episode 48, and I must say, great show. However, Chris stated that it is as a fact that the DHS has bought mil- billions, excuse me, billions with a B, of rounds over the past two years. There is a large contingent of people, even inside the gun owner community who refute this and lay the blame on the current ammo shortage on the influx of new gun owners and hoarding in light of the current political climate. This guy lays out some pretty compelling evidence yeah. that InfoWars fudged some numbers to start the meme. Yeah. I'd like to see what sources Chris used to come to his um, conclusion. I'm not trying to be critical. Nope. Not I just fair. feel the need to challenge misinformation wherever it may be. Chris, Chase, keep up the great work. I think I accidentally... So I read some. I was reading quotes, and I think I accidentally made it sound like I was um, stating them as 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 fact. I I actually so I I also I remember when this ammo story came from its very origination, and I also seem to remember it sort of being ginned up on Infowars. Um, and I, I think somebody online dug into it, and what it actually was was like pre-purchasing. So they pre-purchased a certain amount at a certain rate, and they didn't actually order all of those bolts. So it's not like they've. So they put in a, a they put in an order in a contract that could allow them to order up to 1.5 billion bullets, and they maybe have bought 300 million or right. something. Yeah. You know, I kind of remember those being the details too. I didn't. I, you know, you can go back, you guys, and and we we covered this in uh, 48. Uh, I, Regardless, it's it is the number now everyone was kicking around to generate the big fuss about, and that was kind of the, the aspect and angle we were taking at. I'm not actually sure those numbers are legitimate. Uh, those ammo numbers there there are there have been a lot of big purchase orders through, and you know if they were to fulfill all of those orders, it would it would be you know I would assume a pretty big hit to the industry in terms of manufacturing capacity but who knows right who exactly. knows yeah we don't uh, but we don't uh we don't actually we don't actually have any links that show uh from very many sources so the the, the i think the way info number infowars got that is that there was a public bid that was made and the numbers they used in the bid were like the full contract capacity numbers and i think they went with those and didn't go with the actual amount that were ordered and then later when the order was actually executed there was a different amount that was agreed upon i think that's it but i pfft, that's all from memory. Okay. No link, sorry. Next email uh, came in uh, to the uh, Unfilter Inbox. Nice. The great one, and these were some thoughts on the CIA. Great show, guys, uh, but you have made the CIA into a spitting image of the Romulan Tau Shiar. Nice. <laughs> I know you, Chris, will understand this reference. Hey, what yes. about me? You chased, Come do on. You? Yes. Yeah. All right. Tasha Yar was in the. Uh, it might be a little more like the Obsidian Order. But, yeah, that. Uh, yeah, I was going to go. With, uh, yeah. That's, the, but that's not Romulan. No, that no, is Cardassian. Uh, Cardassian yeah. right. uh, the issue with the CIA is that it's given immense power and is almost unregulated. It was set up after World War II to combat the Soviet threat, and most of its subversive policies are due to that fact. I'm not saying to disband the agency. However, I believe it's time we look and got more oversight of its dealings, especially when its operations often have side effects that reverberate for decades to come. 
The problem is both parties, Republicans and Democrats, advocate for bigger government. McCain and Graham are not conservatives as they claim to be. These two geniuses are completely dangerous, and they represent the Republican establishment that would do the Irish jig if all the social spending was somehow eroded into defense spending. I also wanted to uh, some sizzle, add oh. some sizzle all right, sure. to your we conspiracy bacon. A little, uh, there you go. Maybe the CIA is promoting the opium trade so they can collapse the economy and governance of other nations in the region. Say, China? They historically had a fondness of opium and a massive release into that country would, could wreak havoc socially as it did in the past. Take a look at the history of the opium wars. Hmm. Thanks, the great one. Uh, interesting comments there. Yeah, are there like a, a aviator continuity in the chat room saying they're also kind of like Section 31 from Star Trek, which is probably where Section 31 was inspired from. You know, uh, the uh, I don't know if I... Oh boy, dis, I don't know if I have... I couldn't. I couldn't speak to disbanding the CIA. I don't know. You know. I mean, that's how can I say that? Uh, but what I could say is, uh, if you track it back to the source, uh, they were established by some Wall Street bankers, and they were put in place to make sure that the interests of of the big banks would be seen out. And now they've sort of become the paramilitary branch of the Obama administration. Yeah. And. Uh, they obviously are, are operating way outside the original intention. And uh, I think they should be dramatically reconsidered. I mean, let's not forget that the uh, federal government is awaft in intelligence agencies. The CIA. But when has the government, Chris, ever cut down on agencies? Never. Yeah, exactly. Come on, exactly. Stop that. <laughs> and let's be let's be clear. The CIA runs this joint, and I I mean I don't mean to. You know what? I'm gonna fr- let's fry on. Let's fry on. Oh, uh, more bacon. Uh, okay, uh, Chase. Do you know yeah. what? Um, Bush Sr. did before he ran the United States of America? Uh, do you know what three-letter agency he ran? Uh, and do you know that the CIA is known for once you're in the CIA for never leaving the CIA? I'm just putting that out there. Do you uh, know Do you know what... And this is completely conspiracy bacon, but we're towards the end of the show now, so it's totally okay. Nobody's listening. Chase, uh-huh. which president yeah. was an intern mm, for a known thing. CIA front... During the summer really of his college years. Which president of the United States of America... Oh, hold on, I need to flip the bacon. All right, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You had any idea? No, no idea. I'm hoping you did. No, sorry. All right, well, I'll, give you, I'll give you a hint. Hello, we... everybody. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, we've had two presidents that have, have seemed uh, to have had some sort of relation with the CIA. Maybe they run the joint. Mm, maybe. Maybe. Uh, maybe. Maybe they've run the joint since Kennedy was killed. Maybe. The Who last, knows? The, the last uh, feedback, which came through me, submitted by Chris into the unfiltered subreddit. Circle of Life. The Circle of Life. Department of Homeland Security forced... forced. Uh, this was through a uh, dis- disclosure request, you know, one of those things where they have to, you know, Freedom of Information Act. Right, right. Uh, they were forced to release keywords used to monitor social networking sites. So I'm going to click on this link. Uh, let me get past this ad page here from Forbes. And so... If uh, if you're using these words in social media, and, and I'm just going to pull a few out of here, you might want to watch out because of the Department of Homeland Security, you might be tipping them off. So if you say things like initiative or homeland security uh-huh. or chemical spill uh-huh. or toxic. Whoa, 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 whoa. Fox 
News Alert, Chase. Uh, I believe we have located a terrorist here in Washington State. Uh, hold on, Chase. I'm getting more information yeah. right now. Uh, he's located in, in Marysville, Washington. Okay. Uh, I believe he's actually live on the internet. Oh, my God. It's you, Chase. They're, they're, they're oh, zeroing in on you right oh, now. Oh, snap. Well, I got to be careful because also on here is pork, and we all know what pork leads to, and that is... Bacon. That's it, folks. Yes. Good night, everybody. Boom, boom. So go check that out. And uh, unbelievable. There is a good discussion thread that was started. Only one comment so far, but I love it. Oh, it's, I love it's it. one of those things. I think maybe there's two comments in there. So all right. Good so there you that. have it. Uh, special announcement. We have a short. So what, what? How does it work for next week? We have a shortened show because we're going to go watch the Star Trek premiere, episode fifty. <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah. So we got to get out of here like a half hour earlier, right? Or yeah. is it? Is that how much it is? About yeah. a half hour. Yeah. So because uh, uh, we are about an hour north of Seattle, right. we're, we're going to watch this on the uh, the real IMAX theater uh, down in Seattle in three D, right? Yeah. So what yeah. I was thinking, Chris, should we leave like here? Like we should be like on the road right now at this time, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So so <laughs> actually before this, so, yeah, yeah. So here's what I was thinking, Chris, okay. and I, right. I know we didn't pre-plan this. That's okay. We can. But plan I was it right thinking now. we should go through. The Red Book. Oh, and see do a Red some Book of, update. And we we have. I don't think we've done one. Have we? Uh, uh-uh, no. no, no, no. Like for example, some of them are pretty far out. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna take the top one right, okay, right now. Right, okay, right. and we can go through the rest maybe next week. Right. You said Obama will win the 2012 election. I did. When did we make that prediction? June 14th of 2012. That's not bad. So that was five months yeah, before. That's not bad. Yeah, and you know we totally. By the way. We totally called the Benghazi attack. Remember when yes. we went on air, they were still trying to claim it was that YouTube video. And we, yep. and you can go watch, uh, if you guys want an extra episode, go watch the Blowback Decade episode. Totally called it. We just called that whole thing. I, that was cool. I don't know if that made it in the Red Book, but that yep. was neat. Uh, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, we might do something special. It'll be episode 50, and it's going to be a shortened show. So, yeah. I don't, know. I don't know. I mean, can I not have... I mean, I just can't see not having any clips. Oh, no, no, no. We, yeah. we're gonna, we, we got, we'll get... Yeah, the yeah. of the time. But it's going to be a short show. Absolutely. Because we're probably going to have to get out of here. So show up live. Show up around 6 p.m. Pacific over at jblive.tv. Yes. And uh, we'll probably be wrapping up. It'll probably be a shorter show. Half it, a show. It, it, half will show. Be, it will be intense with quality. I do have kind of a... I have an idea okay. for the commute to record something special for the supporter show, though. Oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I have good acoustics Because 50 is also going to be out late because I won't be posting until the next day. Yeah. But, I have very good acoustics. Very quiet. All right, Mr. Chase, I want to tell you about the subreddit, unfiltered.reddit.com, where you can yep. vote and submit stories and get involved in the conversation. That's a way to ha- you can help nudge the direction 387. of the 387. It's going up every single week, and nice. it's great to see. I'd love it if we got over 400. I, I love plateaus. If we're going to be at episode 50 next week, we should be at 400. So tell one person, wow, tell cool. somebody, that'd be cool, and get in there, Mr. Chase. Where can people find you online throughout the week? Uh, there's two different places uh, people can find me, Chris. Uh, you can find me on the Twitter, so you can nice. follow me there at Nunes N U N E S, where I tweet things. Yeah, can't go figure that one out. 140 characters or less, and then over there at GeekGamer.tv, where I added a nice clean background, I refreshed the logo, and posted some new video of pinball action from uh, from the Professional Amateur Pinball Association. Very nice. More content going up. And Chris, during the course of the week, I know you're tweeting. Twitter.com slash Chris LAS, Mr. Chase. And uh, that'll be the place to follow because I'm going to have uh, a good interview with a uh, reporter from Forbes magazine for our Plan B show this week. I'll probably Is that a show about that. contraceptives? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Very good. Yes, it's about contraceptives, Chase. It's about the pills. Uh, don't forget also, <laughs> uh, if you uh, can't afford to be an Unfiltered supporter, you can always use our affiliate links to support the network and help pay our bandwidth costs. But if you are an Unfiltered supporter, go check your inbox. 
we got our supporter show in there. Oh, that's delicious. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning to this week's episode of Unfilter. We'll see you right back here next, next week. week.